Thank you so much for joining me, Kevin P. Chavis, for 100 episodes of What I Want to Know. Over the last two years, I've had the privilege to speak with experts, school leaders, parents, and students about the most pressing issues in education today. We've also had fun exploring what the future of education might look like and how we can encourage lifelong learning in all students. To celebrate the progress we've created for generations to come, here are some of my favorite moments from the previous 99 episodes of What I Want to Know. Subscribe and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube to catch any episodes you may have missed. And be sure to join me for a very special 100th episode with the Chancellor of New York City Schools, David Banks. Sometimes you, it's not that you completely comprehend everything that the poet was intending, but rather there is a feeling and emotion that washes over you and a sense of wholeness that comes or a sense of excitement or curiosity, or maybe it hurts a little bit, but yeah. it reveals something and that can be enough. Yeah, I think part of it is it's the toughest time ever because kids have something in their pockets that connects them to all information that has ever existed. And so they're no longer just taking a teacher's word for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it really changes um, how students learn and what they should learn. Now it's not who knows the most. It's who knows how to do the most with what they know. And, wow. and that's a seismic shift in terms of schools and educators. And it really resonated with me when I heard it. And the teachers can use that in a way um, with their instruction to draw more out of the student, to help the student solve different problems or create whatever it is they want to do. It's um, really about students being seen and heard and having a voice and a choice in how they do the work. It's not the job of institutions to protect their historical legacies, right? It's the job of institutions to support the growth of each and every child. And if there is a better way to do it, if they're actually focused on the job to be done in our language, what we've seen is that organizations in all walks of life are remarkably able to ditch the old ways of doing things and mm -hmm. sub in new technologies or processes or methods or, or what have you to help people make progress. What about courses? I get asked this a lot. Are there particular courses that seem to be more conducive to the online experience. I mean, I notice it even, you know, I think at your school and others, uh, physical education is even, you know, taught online. You know, so many of the biggest rage right now is um, adults buying uh, stationary bikes with a screen on it and having an <laughs> online instructor. <laughs> That's a really them, good point. Right. You know, and so. <laughs> You know, we question, you know, how can a student do P.E. yet everybody's rushing out to go buy these stationary bikes with a screen on them and pedaling away. OK, it's easier than one thinks. They put on webcams, they carry on app, you know, these uh, watches, you know, these smart watches and all that. And they run and, and, and they are able to send data. Uh, and and it's just been amazing what students can do in physical education. So. We firmly believe that girls need to see heroes and inspiring people and, and role models that look like them 
or come from the same background as they come from or have the same interests as they do. They need to be relatable so that girls can feel seen, can feel heard, can feel inspired. And it's not something so aspirational that that's, that's for other girls. It's for them. Well, you know, to, to begin with, it's, an, it's important to understand that um, safety impacts learning. Uh, we get that. We get it. We understand it. We have to, if a, if a child is in an environment that's free from distractions, especially with safety issues, you know, they're going to learn. They have a greater chance, a greater opportunity to learn and, and be successful um, and, and have an education that's going to be a good quality education. So we get that. If we can, if we can create that environment, all, every single officer understands that. If I can make sure that that the classroom is free of those distractions that we can control, it's going to be better for the student. But for many, many schools, and I know you know this, Kevin, I mean, the the technology was sort of a nice to have in schools. They might have a computer lab that they would take yeah. some kids to part of the day, right? But now, you know, not only can you take a course online, you can go to school online, um, but Everything about employees and HR is managed online, food service, there's point of sale systems, all those physical security systems, those are smart and internet uh, enabled. All the curriculum is online, testing is online. So we have circumstances now where, you know, if schools experience a disruption or God forbid a cybersecurity incident in their technology services, they're actually, uh, uh, they actually can't go on, you know, doing the work of educating kids. And that's relatively new in the grand scope of things in schools. And I think we've just not caught up to that reality. Without a doubt, less is more. Uh, but post-pandemic, um, post, you know, virtual learning and, and even virtual therapy in some cases, it's just inevitable that we can't escape a screen. So it's more about quality over quantity. Um, if your children are creating instead of consuming or competing even instead of consuming, that's better for them. Mm. Also just understanding our bodies. We are not meant either child or adult to be sedentary for long periods of time. And so if there is something keeping your child still for more than two hours at a time, it's time to change things up. They have got to move for their physical health and for their mental health. There, there's only one solution and you have to say you need help. You can't do it alone. I tell people it's, if this was a soda can, not saying anything is shaking this can. And when I say shaking it, it's erratically shaking it. And the pressure is building. The pressure builds and eventually it reaches a point where they cannot contain the pressure yeah. anymore. That pressure is leading you to self-destructive behaviors self-limiting behaviors. Eventually you will use people, places, or things in a manipulative way to try and alleviate that pressure. The only way that you can release that pressure without causing harm to yourself or others is by having the courage to be vulnerable and speak what needs to be spoken. That's why it's so important to, as an educator, take care of yourself. And this is a time for educators that is so important uh, because we've got more than 50% leaving the profession right now. I mean, this is turning into a crisis. So it's really important that we do everything we can to support educators. And those of you that are listening who are educators, I really encourage you to double down on your self-care. We have looked at studies uh, conducted by academics 
and they find that when the materials accurately reflect the lives and experiences of young people, they're far more engaged in their education. It improves literacy. It improves their engagement at school and in their community as a whole. I think part of it is that comics is an inherently fun medium. And actually, I'll give you an example. Visual aid. Okay. So here's a page of prose. Here's a page of comics. Guarantee yeah. you, 100% of the people, you and me and everyone else watching this, your eye goes towards the page of comics with more interest because it looks fun. It, there's shapes, there's colors, there's everything yeah. you want there. And I'm not here to like <laughs> to knock the written word. We all love prose. I think text is amazing. But comics gives you that fun for free. And it's fun to read a comic in the same way it's fun to watch a movie. Even bad movies can be fun because the fact that the pictures are moving on a screen entertains us on some basic level. And I think it's the same with comics. The opportunity for me to leave school after my junior year and enter the draft and go on to start a foundation and influence young people via scholarships. That's how... JRLA began. It was a scholarship from the Jalen Rose Charitable Fund. I have a scholarship endowment at the University of Michigan that's graduated a few students. So I was committed to my community because my community gave me everything. And so for me, it, it was important to never remove myself and do whatever I can to give back. So when I got um, selected to go to space, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is um, JEDI, Just Equitable, Diverse, Inclusive Space. And, and how, do we, how do we create that? Um, not just in outer space, you know, and the advancement of human space flight, but here on Earth in our own personal space. And, um, and I think that starts with when, when you were thinking about our space to inspire, our unique space, um, how do we make that a JEDI space? space. And, and we do that by being mindful of situations around us. And, and I talk about how, um, you know, as a black female and opening up access and, and, and really kind of like being, you know, striving for equality within the classroom and those kinds of things. Um, but also talking about activated allies. We have to make sure within our education system that we are coming up with the right kind of uh, the right kind of frameworks where we are, uh, you know, making sure we're adding to the, the joy of learning and the joy of teaching simultaneously. Right. And, and to do that, it means we have to make sure that we have an education system that really does correlate um, to what it is that we're hoping to accomplish. I want our students to not just learn how to be employees. I want them how to learn how to be employers. Right. I want our students to know that this is about a lifelong journey and a lifelong learning attitude and aptitude and appetite that we want them all to have. And so that means we want to make sure that we're having that measurement of flexibility for all of our for all of our students and our educators and our paraeducators. So they know that, you know, what is it that we're trying to prepare our, our students for? I don't think the battle in my generation is going to be an ideological battle. I think it's going to be a theory of change battle. It's going to be a question of how we try to realize our ambitions. Are we going to utilize a politic, uh, politics of exclusion and fear and hate? Uh, hate and fear and exclusion that exists both on the left and the right? Or a politics of empathy, inclusion, 
and a politics that actually builds consensus to create sustainable change. I think the main thing is to just find an issue that you really care about and research about it, learn more about it, talk it with other people, your friends or classmates um, and teachers. And I think, you know, form a community of people that also care about it as much as you do and then take it from there. You know, I visit schools all over the country, all over the world. And I remember visiting a, a school, um, a, a kid who ended up being valedictorian of his class who had a physical disability. And yeah. uh, he was in a rural community. He, he was in a wheelchair. But they, the school said they didn't have the resources to uh, build a, a ramp for him. And yeah. they just had stairs everywhere. And he he showed me where he had um, just went on the grass and just made it work. Yeah. And he said he said you know yeah. his parents said they just got tired of trying to get the school to build a ramp for him, and he just he just made his own little path on the grass. It shows how difficult and excruciating the process of getting accommodations is. So a lot of people with disabilities make that calculated decision. What is the net value and the net loss of asking for yeah. accommodations? And that's unfortunate, I think, because I, when I got accommodations, my academic life was night and day. I did much better, hmm. but I didn't think it was worth it for the longest time. Every person in that school has a key role in their child's life. My seven-year-old, just this weekend, uh, school is out for us. It was out on Friday. One of his favorite staff people to engage with at the school is the bus driver. He loves his bus driver. And yeah. we was talking about how he wouldn't see his bus driver again until August. And so you can't underestimate the, any role of that someone plays in a child's life because they're all critical and they all have an impact. If you consider how AI and technologies that are being developed right now are going to take away uh, from jobs, uh, from the opportunities for employment for a whole generation of young people, you have to remember that the one advantage that we have as conscious you know, species is uh, critical thinking, yes. empathy, kindness. Yes. Com community, connection, things that, of course, Facebook doesn't create. Um, and how do you build that? It is through education and it's to creating spaces that allow young people to feel confident and safe in, uh, in, in asking questions of the world around them. We have, I think, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to relook at the relevance of the American high school and create courses that fascinate young people and get them to surprise us and surprise themselves. You said the most beautiful thing an assessment can do, which is it can surprise you that you could do more than you thought you could. By, but only if it engages you, only if you get excited, only if you get possessed by that and begin to practice and engage yourself. Only if an assessment has that effect on you, a challenge that is productive, does it change you. And we have to deliver that to so many more kids. And I think we've got to rethink the high school together and in that way, invite kids to rise up during their high school years, get excited about things, and that'll put them on a better path towards college or career or whatever path they take. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.